This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. I couldn't think of an introduction. My brain is toast. Kind of like most of the vampires by the end of this story. It's Interview with the Vampire, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to another episode of This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's the spooky season, Katie. It is. It's October. I think this is our first October, no, second October episode. Technically, Holes was in October. Holes technically came out in October. But But that one wasn't spooky. No, not spooky. But we're doing a spooky one this time. We're doing Interview with the Vampire, the 1976 Anne Rice novel, and the 1994, 93 uh, film. I can't remember now, but I had it in the prequel. Go back and listen to that if you want to know for sure. I think it was like 94, 93. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire. Uh, Looks like we have all of our normal segments. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Guess Who, we have all that good stuff. We'll do a little bit of a Let Me Sum Up very first thing here. Uh, I think we'll just do, is it close enough that we can do one, that I can do the movie? Yes. Okay. I'll do the movie, uh, and then uh, then we'll get into the rest of our segments. So if you haven't heard the, or read or read the book or seen the movie, you can listen up. Uh, there will be spoilers. Uh, so let's do it. Let me sum up. Let me explain. There is too much. Let me sum up. Uh, like I said, spoilers. Run away if you don't want to hear them, but why are you listening to this episode at all? Because there's going to be spoilers throughout. So, interview with the vampire. We're introduced to the frame story in this movie is Brad Pitt in a modern time, modern at the time, early 90s mm. setting. Uh, or maybe it was even like the late 80s, like where it's set. I don't even know for sure what time period the the frame story is set. I'm assuming contemporary and contemporaneous to the movie, which yeah, is like the early 90s. Um, and he's talking to a reporter, uh, and he tells this reporter, I'm a vampire. And the guy's like, okay, sure. And then he starts telling him the tale of his life. Uh, and he starts all the way at the beginning. And that's when the movie flashes into, flashes back to these events. Uh, we're introduced to Brad Pitt. Uh, his name's Louie. Uh, he lives in somewhere in America. New Orleans. New Orleans. Well, he lives no, like the New outside like, New Orleans yeah, or New something Orleans like somewhere. Area ish. Because they go to New Orleans. Yeah. He doesn't live in New Orleans in the movie, at least. Um, because he has like a plantation. He's a slave owning plantation owner. Uh, and his wife and daughter die. Uh, and he's miserable. And he uh, starts uh, falling down into a, a a pit of uh, self destruction. Um, ultimately, uh, he runs into Lestat, played by Tom Cruise, who is a uh, a vampire. We find out, and uh, Lestat tells him, "I'm going to give you a choice: you can become a vampire or you can die." And uh, obviously, Brad Pitt decides, "Okay, sure, I'll become a vampire." Uh, it's more complicated than that. We'll get into it. But uh, so Brad Pitt becomes a vampire, and then him, and then basically the whole movie is sort of the vignettes at times, and the, sort of the the life and times of Louis as he ages and deals with being a vampire and with life and with all the weird uh, eccentricities of the vampire world. Uh, he eventually 
because he's miserable because he was already miserable and he's still miserable as a vampire. Um, but then he and he can't eat people. Eventually, he runs into uh, Kirsten Dunst's character during the time when the plague is going on. Uh, she's like a 12 year old girl whose mother and has died um, and he ends up biting her. Uh, even though at this point he hasn't bit a human, or at least not, like, really, I guess, um, from what I recall. And ends up thinking he killed her, but then uh, Tom Cruise turns her into a vampire, so now he has they have this daughter together, um, and her name is Claudia, uh, and he becomes very protective of her, again, because he lost his daughter early earlier before he when he was a human uh they go through some stuff together eventually they decide to run away from Lestat because he's abusive and crazy uh they murder him claudia murders him um seemingly murders him uh and then they run off to paris together to go do their thing uh, and they're there and this is a little cloudy for me in the movie but it turns out they're kind of looking to trying to figure out like the backstory of like figure out where vampires came from kind of like a let's go meet Let's go figure out what this is all about type thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to like find the original vampire or whatever. Uh, and they run into a big secret society of vampires in France or in Paris uh, that have are very strange. Uh, and that uh, they find out, they realize because vampires can read minds in this universe, Claudia murdered Lestat. And that's their one rule is you can't kill other vampires. So they sentence Claudia to death along with the new, va- we'll talk about the new vampire lady <laughs> that gets made. Uh, as her like new mommy, uh, they both get burned to death by the sun. Uh, Brad Pitt gets put in a hole, but then saved by the leader of these vampires who's like in love with them. It's also very complicated. We'll talk about that. Um, and ultimately, Brad Pitt makes his way back to America, kind of lives his life out, uh, watches movies. He becomes a cinephile, like really into movies for a while. And <laughs> and then uh, we cut back when we finally build up to the point where he's talking to... Oh, uh, he, he uh, confronts Lestat one last time, who's been who alive several dead. times. Who, who already wasn't dead once, and I <laughs> yeah. kind of glazed over that, where when they come back to New Orleans, he's there um, in their house. And then... Um, or no, the next... Before they leave, yeah, he's there. before they go to before Europe. Before they go to Europe, he's there. He has come out from the, the swamp that they threw his body in. He's still alive. Uh, anyways, and so he keeps coming back over and over again in the, in the the over the course of the movie. In the final scene, or one of the final scenes, he runs into uh, 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 Brad Pitt goes back to his original home and finds Lestat there, like die, seemingly dying in a chair, uh, decrepit and old. Uh, and they have like one last little sort of conversation, and then Brad Pitt leaves. Uh, and then we get the resolution with the uh, reporter, which we'll talk about eventually, um, where Brad Pitt kind of lets the reporter leave, but then threatens to kill him, but they're not really threatens to kill him, but kind of freaks out on him a little bit, but then lets him leave. And the reporter's driving off into the sunset. And then spoilers, Lestat shows up and we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But that's the rough thing. So basically, most importantly, what this, this story doesn't really have a plot necessarily like it does, but it's, it's less of a, it's, it's not, it, it's not motive. It's meandering. It's, it's not really plot driven. It's no. more like th- theme driven. It's thematic and yeah. character driven. And we're just following these people kind of through their lives. Yeah. And there are elements of plots, at, like of quote unquote plots at times, like when we run into the secret vampire society and what's going on with them. It's, you know, there's some stuff going on there that's kind right. of interesting uh, and, and different. But mostly it's a character study and it's a, a it's a it's a contemplation of the themes 
um, and and the plot's not super important. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and before we get to the rest of it, I if you if this sounds interesting, I highly recommend the movie. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotten good. It's got good reviews. It won a couple Oscars at the time. I thought it was like really, really, really good. Not like a perfect movie or anything, but like I was uh, riveted the whole time. I thought it was really well made and really entrancing. Like I could not stop. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I never was bored once, even though it is sort of a longer. It's like two hours and sort of slow moving. Yeah, it's a lot of tension and a lot of really interesting and everybody in it's doing amazing work. Like all the actors. I mean, they're great. I mean, it's Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Kirsten Dunst, a very young Kirsten Dunst. And then uh, uh, Antonio Banderas, a bunch of people yeah. show up, but it, they're all great. Um, and it's a little silly and over the top. But if you can like look pa- if you look at it like a uh, 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 almost like a Shakespearean mm-hmm. drama or whatever, it it kind of works in that like it's super arch and over the top but it's a lot of fun so big recommend for me uh i don't think it's streaming anywhere so we rented it from the library yeah i think you can pay to rent it on prime maybe yeah i'm sure you can yeah Yeah, you can pay to rent pretty much anything on prime all right so that was it for the let me sum up Uh, it was a little bit long but uh, i think kind of necessary let's get into the first segment the game show segment and play guess who who are you no one of consequence I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. All right, we've got four today. I don't think you'll be fooled by any of them. Sweet. But let's give it a go. I mean, already I can think of four characters, so... Like main characters. A tall, fair-skinned man with a mass of blonde hair and a graceful, almost feline quality to his movements... I mean, that technically kind of could be, well, it can't be Tom Cruise because he's not tall. But um, uh, my guess would be that that is uh, Louis. Um, it kind of could be Lestat based on some of the other actors that were supposedly thought about for playing him. Uh, and that we talked about in the prequel, some of the other people that Anne Rice wanted to play Lestat could be him. But I'm thinking that's probably definitely Louis. It actually is Lestat. Okay. I, like I said, I could see that. I could see that. It's the blonde hair, that's the key. Well, there. Brad Pitt has... He has, like... It's not blonde. It's, not, it's like, fair enough. Lestat's is very blonde. That's a yes. fair point. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess I was thinking that also uh, Brad Pitt's hair is kind of like a... It's like my colored hair, which is like... Yeah. But we've argued about what color your hair is. It's between blonde and brown. It's not blonde. It's not brown. It's somewhere in the middle. So he was utterly white and smooth as if he were sculpted from bleached bone. And his face was as seemingly inanimate as a statue, except for two brilliant green eyes that looked down like flames in a skull. I don't know if I'm going to get any of these. This could be like any of the vampires like. I don't remember anybody having explicitly green eyes. I mean, this could be Louis, but like after he's a vampire, it could be uh, it could be Antonio Banderas' character, who I believe is Armand. Um, but I think they would have mentioned his hair. His hair is very distinctive in the film, assuming that's from the book. And those are like the only main other people, like the reporters, not him. Um, and it could be like one of the other vampires in the thing, but I, I'm going to say Louie again, but I'm not. That is Louie. Okay. That's the description that we get of him the first time the uh, reporter like sees him. Oh, that makes light. sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
which right. is really the only kind of good description we get of him, period. Um, she describes his clothes a couple of times, but not really what he looks like. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense since he's the one narrating. Yeah, I also hadn't thought about, I forgot, I, I didn't forget about the frame story, but I, I just, like, in my head I'm thinking of the first time we see his character being when he's a human, which right. is not in the movie or the book, obviously, but I just wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. All right. She was always a vision with her curling lashes and her glorious yellow hair, her finely trimmed bonnets and tiny lace gloves, flaring velvet coats and capes, and sheer white puff-sleeved gowns with gleaming blue sashes. Yeah, that's Claudia. That was pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of her clothes are always described in very explicit detail. Yeah, and she has... I think this movie did win. One of the Oscars it won was for, like, wardrobe, I think. I, I mean, as well it should. I think. Because I yeah. wanted to just die for some of the costumes in this. Um, anyway, last one. So still she sat, so utterly without fear, her green taffeta sleeves reflected in the tilted mirrors, her skirts reflected so that she was not one still woman, but a gathering of women. Her dark red hair was parted in the middle and drawn back to her ears, though a dozen little ringlets escaped to make a frame for her pale face. And she was looking at me with two calm, violet eyes. Well, uh, the only other female character that really shows up is and i don't remember her name i don't know if we get a name for her is the woman who works in the doll shop in the movie who claudia brings home to turn into a vampire to become her new caretaker and i don't know her name if she has one uh the only other people i can think of green and she does wear a green dress uh, in the movie, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with, the, and I, I don't know her name. The woman from that Claudio once turned into a vampire. Um, Madeline. Is that her name? Mad- uh, yeah. Madeline. Yeah, but more French. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think they only maybe say her name like once in the movie. I truly don't. Re- so, yeah, maybe once. Yeah. Um. So that description is that her? Yes. Oh, that's okay. her. You're correct. Gotcha. Uh. I know why Anne Rice hates fan fiction, and it's because Anne Rice writes fucking fan fiction. Yeah. Fan fiction is the only place in the world where people have violet eyes. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, violet eyes and a child's mouth that seemed almost obdurate. Ad- ad- what is that even word? I've never. I don't know. I skipped that part. I cut it off because I realized I didn't know how to pronounce that O-B-D-U-R-A-T-E-L-E-Y. word. O B D U R A T E L E Y. Obdurately. Obdurately. Mm-hmm. Obdurate. Obdurately. Obdurately means unmoved by persuasion, pity, or tender feelings, stubborn, unyielding. All right. Interesting. It's a heck of a word. But yeah, no, yeah. I agree. That's, uh, yeah. Her descriptions definitely I, feel like how people describe people in fan fiction. And that's a knock on fan fiction, no. but come on. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, people know what you're talking about. The only way this could get more fan fiction is if her eyes were described as orbs. Yeah. (laughs) Two violet orbs. Two violet orbs. Yeah, for sure. All right, that was it for Guess Who. Three out of four is not too bad. Let's move on to was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? All right, got a lot of questions. I got so many questions uh, in this segment and the next, and hopefully we'll see if you have some answers. 
in the movie, Brad Pitt, uh, after he loses his daughter and his wife, and I thought this was a really interesting, I, I knew nothing about this movie going in, about what the story, anything other than, like, there were some vampires. So, like, mm. I literally knew nothing about what happened over the course of this movie. I think part of the other reason I was so interested, or that I found it so fascinating to watch is because I knew nothing of, like, what the story was or what happened or anything. Um, and he's suicidal in the movie, basically. I thought that was interesting, mainly because I thought the idea of like the cruel joke, the ultimate cruel joke of making a suicidal person immortal, mm-hmm. is like an interesting thing to do. Um, so, is that the case in the in the book? Is he's like suicidal after losing his family? Yes, and also no. Okay. Um. So in the book, it's his brother that he loses. Oh. He's not married, and he doesn't have a kid. Okay. Um, so he, his brother dies and he feels like kind of responsible for his death. It's not super important, so I won't go into it, but he, he feels like he's kind of responsible for it. So he's like consumed by guilt. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily call him suicidal in okay. the book. He's not suicidal in the movie necessarily as much as just like completely self-destructive and like yeah. seeking out dangerous situations. Like he's getting in bar fights and stuff. Yeah, like. and he, he he doesn't do that in the book. Okay. But he is like just like consumed by guilt and despondent brooding and despondent okay. and all okay. that good stuff. All right. Uh, so in the movie, and I thought this is wild, is the first time uh, Tom Cruise's character Lestat shows up. He bites Brad Pitt, but he doesn't kill him hmm. or turn him into a vampire. He just bites him for a little while, and when he bites him, he flies up. They're on like a dock, like a pier, yes. and he flies. Just all of a sudden, as he's biting him, they float up like fifty feet in the air. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so we got flying vampires, but no, not like they didn't turn into a bat or anything. It's just like he can fly. Uh, is that from the book? I actually, I had the exact same reaction that you did because there is no flying. Okay, in the book. no flying. That happened, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, we've got flying vampires." Yeah, <laughs> they only do it a few times. Yeah, they don't do it a ton. They just do it in that scene. I think because they thought it was more dramatic to drop them. Yeah, but I, I don't know. There's, there's kind of this thing, and I don't think that you asked a question about the mind reading thing. I didn't bring later. it up. No. Um, so I'll just go ahead and bring it up now. Um, cause I, I don't really have any strong feelings on this. So, okay. um, I mean, I didn't really care for the flying cause I thought it looked kind of silly, I mean, yeah, but there is this element of the movie that's not really present in the book where like they have like special powers, yeah, like flying and mind reading. And then there's that one guy who like walks up a wall. Yeah. You can like walk up. A yeah. Wall and... Um, I think that's just a flying, but like. With style, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's basically flying, but he's just like being silly and walking up a wall. Yeah. Um. So that's not really something that's present in the book. Okay. Like I said, they don't fly. Um. I don't recall any mention of mind reading. Right. Um. the The closest I think we get to that kind of thing is that Armand is supposed to be like kind of extra persuasive. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good at being persuasive. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I don't have super strong feelings about it, so I don't have it in either of my segments. Okay. But I thought it was an interesting choice. But it do, you do have here that they move really fast. So yes, that's they do the, move because really that's fast. they do that in the movie a lot too. Yeah. Sometimes when they want to, <laughs> they like move quickly, and then other times they just kind of want to mosey around. Which I thought, yeah. But I mean, when you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, no flying. Does Lestat have a little metal fingernail thingy that he pokes people with to suck their blood? I thought it was a really interesting choice in the movie. He has, um, and I'm going to addend this too with a second question, which you probably don't have an answer for, but uh, at least it wasn't in the descriptions. So Lestat in the movie has this little metal finger thingy that he wears, like a thimble, but like yeah. pointy that he wears, and he uses it to like poke people and like drink their blood. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. Like, it's fine. Um, it's just kind of a, a different, uh, another thing for him. Um, is that from the book? No. No. Second question on this. Do they all have long fingernails, long creepy fingernails? Because <laughs> in the movie, all of the vampires have long, yeah, like, I noticed creepy fingernails. They all look like they're wearing press-ons. Yeah. Um, no, it's not mentioned in the book. At least I, I don't recall it being That's mentioned. That's what I said. I don't know why it would be necessary. Yeah. Okay. I just thought that was really interesting, and I like. It's like oh, they all have, and like Brad Pitt does, like yeah. Immediately, he has these like long fingernails, and I don't know because it's funny too. Because I wonder if that's like we get to a point later where we find out, and I, I think I have a question about this, but and we'll get to it. But I uh, we find out that like um, if you cut your hair, it, you'll your hair will gr- in the movie. This is will grow mm-hmm. back to however it was like when you became a vampire, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Because it happens with Claudia, and I was like, "So with fingernails, how do, is it the same thing?" Because it's like they just immediately grow back when you try. To cut yeah. Them. Oh, but like, what if you got your finger? What if you turned into a vampire and your fingernails were short? Were all of their fingernails long when they turned into? I mean, maybe that was the yeah. style at the time in the maybe. 17th, 16th century or seventeenth century or eighteenth, whatever. I would be maybe inclined to think they're supposed to be like claws like a weapon but i don't think we ever see them use them like that do uh we? the only thing we see is claudia does kind of yeah she scratches lestat at one point with yeah. her finger but uh-huh. you know she's also like a little girl who might have like well they wouldn't be longer but like it's just like all the all the men have these like long glorious yeah. fingernails which just it, you know seems <laughs> it, it's just interesting <laughs> I, like I said, I'm sure it was just an aesthetic choice to make them feel more right. because, like, yeah. I'm, in, I'm if I like uh, uh, Nosferatu and stuff has like longer fingers, and I think a lot of times Dracula has like these long, creepy mm-hmm. fingers, and I think they're kind of going for something like that. It just feels weirder. All right, uh, do they eat uh, rat blood and other animals to survive when they can't get humans or whatever? Yes. Um, supposedly, I don't think I talked about this in the. You did not in the um prequel because i couldn't verify it uh but supposedly she uh, Anne rice invented the rat blood in a wine glass thing that is pretty common in vampire yeah, stories like, now yeah. yeah or like animal blood in a yeah. wine glass yeah yeah no it's true uh it is pretty common in that sort of genre and they do it in this movie they pour yeah rat blood in a wine glass so uh, speaking of eating animals, does Brad Pitt eat a couple of poodles no. in the book? No, no, no poodle that's not eating. In the book. They no go to a fancy eating. dress up party and they they find. Uh, I, all I could think of every time I saw her was uh, the the character from Harlots. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's yeah. her name? Um, if you watch Harlots, the uh, the 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 lady who runs the um, boy, we stopped watching it. We need to get back. I want. Yeah. I didn't want to see what happens. We stopped watching it after a certain character is no longer on the show. Shall we say? Um, if you've been watching, you know what we're talking about. But the 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 old lady who's um, like the evil 
Yeah, the madam. Kind of like the big bad of the series. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Why can't I not remember her name? I um, can't remember it either. Anyway, they all have crazy old British names. Anyways, uh, it, this this character in this movie reminded me of her. Yeah, that's a similar look. Similar look. Oh, yeah, it's the same time period, so yeah. that makes sense. Anyways, no, but he eats, he eats her poodles and then uh, doesn't eat her. But uh, she gets her neck snapped by Tom Cruise. <laughs> So this is interesting, and I thought this was fascinating in the movie. Uh, whenever the vampires bite somebody, it, the people mm-hmm. seemingly don't realize that they're being bitten. Mm-hmm. And now there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple different avenues this could go because one, it's almost always in the context of, and not only do they not realize they're being beaten, bitten, they're always like in the throes of ecstasy. They're like, mm-hmm. wow, really into it. And now uh, could see it going two ways. Of one. When this is always happening, they're always in the middle of, like, having sex or foreplay or whatever. So, like, it kind of makes sense. But I I couldn't decide if it was that the bite somehow, like, causes them to, like, experience extreme ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Or if they just have some sort of, like, um, not antiseptic's not the right word, but something that when they bite people... They it like it so like there are bats and stuff like vampire bats specifically yeah. I think yeah. have a have something in their saliva that when they bite it like keeps it from yeah there's noticing like, it, like a numbs numbing a numbing agent and like or something an anticoagulant I there's think. an anticoagulant yeah. for sure yeah yeah but also I like I think there's something to where they so that the animal or whatever doesn't realize that they got bit so they don't mm-hmm. like shake them off or whatever yeah. um and I was wondering if it's if the book goes into any detail on whether it's this is almost like a lost adaptation, but whether it's the first one where it's like the biting causes like uh, extreme ecstasy or if it's just that they don't aren't just they aren't distracted from their ecstasy because they don't realize they're being bitten. If that um, makes sense. <laughs> so there's no like clarification on like the teeth, like the actual biting right, right. part of it. Um, but. We do at one point um, when uh, Lestat uh, turns Louis into a vampire, we get kind of a description of like what it feels like to have your blood sucked. Mm, And it's very like erotic. Yeah. Which and that that whole thing kind of is mixed up with like the vampire mythos. There's a a high amount of eroticism Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, for sure. It's all very sexual. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what I figured. I just didn't know if there's any more detail about it. Um, but I, because it was there, like they nobody notices ever, yeah, until like afterwards, and then they're like, and I get it, like I get like the symbolism, and I, yeah, I get, I'm, I'm down for it. I just thought it was interesting, um, and I, uh, all right, cool. Uh, this scene was so. Uh, one of the things that made this movie so good is that this movie is kind of like a drama character piece, but is legitimately one of the scariest mo- like most horrifying movies I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. There are a few scenes in this movie that are just some, and it's mainly Tom Cruise is <laughs> fucking horrifying in this movie. Uh, and this scene is one of them. Uh, it's that scene I was talking about earlier where they have like two prostitutes or women. We don't know for sure they're prostitutes, but um, in a room and Lestat kills one of them. And then he like bites the breast of another one and she starts bleeding everywhere. And then he, uh, he like slits her wrist and so and they think she's dead, but then she comes to and she's not dead and she's like screaming and stuff. And then Lestat tells Louis to kill her and he won't. And Lestat has a coffin in this room for some reason and puts her in the coffin while she's screaming and then sits on it. And it was like the most horrifying scene I'd seen in the movie in a while. 
Uh, and uh, again, Tom Cruise is crushing it in this role. Uh, who knows how much of that is acting? <laughs> but was that scene in the book? Yes. Oh, God. Okay. Does it all wrap up? How does it play out similarly? I have this in another section. All right. We can get to it later then because <laughs> that scene really stuck with me. Jesus. Uh, does Louis bite? Uh, so, Claudia, does Louis bite uh, Claudia, the young girl Kirsten Dunst in the movie's mom? No, not her mom. He bites her mm-hmm. after he finds her next to her dying slash dead mom of the plague. Mm-hmm. Her mom died of the plague uh, and she's sitting there next to her. And then he grabs her and he's holding her and then he can't help himself and he bites her. Does that happen in the book? Yes. Okay. And does he think she's dying or dead? And then, like, uh, yeah, or... they assume that she's okay. dead. Because then in the book, um, in the movie, uh, Tom Cruise, Lestat, turns her. Is mm-hmm. that what happens in the book? Yeah. Does <laughs> This is a little scene, but I thought it was interesting because there are some moments of comedy throughout this this strange film. Uh, and one of them is we get like a montage kind of of them as a family. It's like a short montage. And one of the scenes we get is Claudia practicing piano and the piano teacher's like hitting her on the hands and stuff. And then um, she's playing and then he just falls over dead on the piano next to her. Mm-hmm. It's a, I thought it was funny, but what is that in the book? That's not she in the killer book. Piano no. Teacher? no, okay. <laughs> no mention of piano lessons. Or ill-fated piano teachers. Uh, We'll talk more about piano here momentarily. Uh, I think I have. Yeah, I do have another note about the piano we'll get to because I loved it. Um, This Claudia, this is a really interesting theme in the movie or like sort of exploration in the film that I'm assuming is probably in the book. Is it so Claudia was turned when she was 12 in the movie? Mm -hmm. I don't know how old she is in the book. Probably younger if I had to guess. Um, Just based on what I know about these things. Uh, She's like 12 in the movie when they turn her. And uh, when you're a vampire, you don't age. So mm-hmm. you stay whatever age you turn to a vampire forever. Um, and so she will stay a preteen forever. Um, and I was wondering. a bit. So a thing in the movie is that she, she starts seeing women that are like grown women and, and starts, starts like uh, wanting to be that. She wants to grow up. She wants to develop as a, into a, a woman as opposed to just being like. A ten-year-old, or however old mm-hmm. you know she is in the in the in the book, um, and then uh, after she th- kind of realizes she's not going to grow up, she ends up murdering that woman she saw. She sees some woman like bathing, and she's asking them about it in the movie. And then after she realizes she she I guess she gets jealous, whatever. She not jealous maybe, but she kills that woman and brings her home and hides her in her bed under the a, a bunch of dolls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's a crazy scene, but that whole that whole exploration of her wanting to become a woman and not being able to is that an element of the book? Yes, okay. that is a huge element. Um, she has the same hangups about not being able to age. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and she is younger in the book. I don't think they ever say like exactly how old. Yeah, she is, but it's kind of implied that like. Maybe five, yeah. six, yeah. somewhere in that realm. Like, she's supposed to be little. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I figured is that they probably doubled her age from what she because yeah. she's like, well, Kirsten Dunst was like twelve. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old she's character supposed to be in the movie. I don't recall, but yeah, and that, uh, but but she doesn't. I see here. Um, Hide the corpse under the dolls, he said. No, uh, yeah. she does at one point in the book kill two of their maids that they mm. have come to the house, um, but she doesn't let uh, any corpses rot underneath her dolls. That was wild. Yeah. Um, does 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 Tom uh, Lestat bring her a doll every year on her her death day or whatever <laughs> her vampire birthday? Um, I don't recall that specifically happening, okay. um, but she does kind of have a thing with dolls. dolls. Okay. Uh, so there's, I mentioned it earlier, but there's a scene where Claudia gets really angry and we'll talk about this scene later cause holy cow. Um, but she gets really angry at specifically at, uh, Lestat, but mm-hmm. at both of them kind of, and she's freaking out again about not being able to age, not being able to grow up and never change and that sort of thing. And she's one of the, so in the fit of rage, she goes and she cuts all her hair off. Um, and then it immediately grows back a la mm-hmm. Harry Potter. <laughs> um, <laughs> So is that uh, is that in the book? No, that's not in the book. Okay, um, I thought it was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, and I I think that in that scene it works really well because it motivates this. I, I have notes about it later, but Kirsten Dunst in that scene blew my fucking mind. She's like a twelve year old, and she is destroying that scene. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. And I actually looked this up because I was like, she's so fucking good in this movie. Like ridiculously good for how young she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked it up and she, she wasn't nominated for an Oscar, but she was nominated for the golden globe for best supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't win, but she was nominated at least. And I was like, she should have been because holy shit, she was crazy she in this movie. See, maybe like a month ago, somebody, I don't remember what website it was. There was like an article about her where they referred to her, the writer referred to her as Spider-Man's girlfriend and got in the internet, dragged him from like here and back. No, (laughs) no. I mean, I did. Yeah. Depending on when you grew up, I could see that. I mean that like for a while that was like the thing I knew her most as, but. Oh, it was about her. I think she got like a, a place on the Hollywood walk of, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it was like intentionally. It was like like the headline. Like like the headline was like Spider Man's girlfriend gets Hollywood star or something like that. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I literally would just link them this one scene where she confronts Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and outacts both of them in this scene, and and they're both killing it in this movie. (laughs) But I was jaw on the floor like how have i never heard about like this performance like it's crazy from like how i was truly blown away by how good she is in this movie um and then follows that up she fucking murders tom cruise she slices Mm -hmm. his damn throat uh it's amazing uh she brings him two kids (laughs) to feast on um and and this whole thing was interesting as she brings him kids to feast on like twins or something uh, and, and she says she like drugged them so that they're asleep. Turns out she actually gave them laudanum uh, and it killed them, but it kept laudanum keeps their blood warm. I don't know if that's true at all. It doesn't matter. But uh, and then so when Tom Cruise drinks it, you're not against the rules to drink dead things, um, which I have a question about here. Like if you drink the blood of something dead, it like messes with you, makes you sick or something as a vampire. And so he gets like weakened and then she slices his throat and he dies on the floor in front of him. And it's amazing. Um, is that in the? 
Okay. Book any all of that stuff. A lot of it is. Okay. Uh, She doesn't slice his throat. Um, He collapses and like shrivels up, and blood comes gushing out of him um, after drinking from the one boy. Uh, Now the book does specify that it's dangerous to drink after your victim has already died. Yeah. Um. Now, the movie, I actually think, explains what happened here a little better. Um, Because in the book, they say that she poisoned him with absinthe, but there's no prior indication to the scene that that would work on a vampire. Yeah. Which I guess it doesn't technically, but... Because he comes back. Yeah, no. None of this works. He comes back from everything that happens in this movie. (laughs) So... But um, I, I kind of thought that, like, bringing back this idea that, like, oh, you're not supposed to drink from somebody who's already dead was um, a better way of explaining why it made him, like, fall down and shrivel up and get yeah. sick. And- yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it made sense to me in the movie. I, I didn't remember them saying that you couldn't drink blood from dead things. I, I assumed they did. I just forgot it. Mm-hmm. I think they did. I, I know they did. I just forgot it. Um but I, it made sense to me that one after they reiterate that, and then so it's like, oh, now he's in like a weakened state, and then she slices his throat. It's like, all right, that makes sense, I guess. Um, but yeah, that scene was this movie's so good. Um, then they go and they do some stuff. They're getting ready to go to Paris or France or whatever, uh, Paris specifically. They come back to get ready to leave. They were all packed up, and as they walk in their house. Lestat, zombie Lestat. Oh, sorry, because they dump, the, so to, to set this up, they dump Lestat's body in a swamp. Yes. And uh, uh, the some alligators come in to eat his body. Turns out they didn't end up eating his body. He ended up eating them. Burr, burr, burr. Um, and he gets his power back, kind of, but he comes back as like z- swamp, swamp thing Lestat. <laughs> and they walk in, and he's playing piano, and it's amazing, and this movie is so ridiculous that I love it. Um, it, uh, does so in the book is there zombie Lestat and does he play piano as they f- discover him <laughs> as they discover that Lestat is still alive? Uh, he does come back, he does look pretty gnarly, okay, but he doesn't play the piano. Great choice, movie! Great choice, <laughs> that's such a fun scene. All of this movie is so fun, but um, I love how much you loved this. <laughs> I really, I was, I it was such, it's so over the top, and it's like. It's kind of it, it. It was like elements of like you got to just buy in to what it is, but then once you do, it, it's great. Mm-hmm. And like I think it's easy to buy in because the performances were so good. Mm-hmm. Like if the performances had been bad, it would have just been a ridiculous, terrible movie. Yeah. But because it's Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dunst and Antonio Banderas and and Thandi Newton is in it for a little bit, and all these people make appearances and they're all really great in it. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I was able to like, you know, look past the fact that it's like this ridiculous and they all speak (laughs) in this elevated arch, you know, Victorian, uh, verbose verbosity. That's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's like a stage play. Like it's like this weird, uh, over the top stage play, but it's, it's so much fun. And yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Uh, no zombie Lestat though. Or Zombie Lestat doesn't play piano. Uh, so when they finally get to France, they, um, they're they looking for vampires. They've been reading and studying about it. 
and he runs into one in a in a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And this the strangest thing this 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 uh, this guy across the tunnel starts mirroring Louie and like doing everything he's doing. And then they walk up to each other, and then this zombie starts doing like a weird vaudeville dance, and then he starts dancing up the wall, and it's very surreal. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Is that in the book? Yes, it is. Okay. What strange? I had to read that scene like three times to make sense of what was happening. What a str- I can only imagine because it's a little <laughs> weird in the movie. Now I assumed it was something like, okay, this guy's like a vampire and he's reading his mind and that's why he's doing the same thing kind mm-hmm. of thing because he's like mirroring him or whatever, um, which I thought was an interesting way to kind of remind us of that. But and yeah, and then he starts uh, dancing on the on the walls. Um, I will say that in this particular in the movie, there's a. It's a cool, it's a pretty effective um, special effect where they're doing the thing like where they're rotating the room mm-hmm. and that's how he's like going up the wall and onto the ceiling. But you can see that the, the, the rotation device isn't super sturdy because the camera is mounted on the the thing that's rotating and mm-hmm. it's shaking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's shaking that. a lot. Um, whereas nowadays they're a lot better. Like if you watch like Inception or whatever mm-hmm. or they do similar things. It's funny. But it still, it still works. So then, this whole, again, talk about the scariest movie I've seen in years. This whole, uh, they, he finds this whole order of vampires, and he goes, and they have they put on a show, like a, a play or whatever. And they do this whole, and he goes, and he's sitting in the crowd. Him and Claudia are watching this play. And it's like this over-the-top weird, and he says, like Brad Pitt says, vampires pretending to be humans, pretending to be vampires. They're like, they're pretending to do mm-hmm. this weird, like, vampire stage play thing. But at the end, the the culmination of this play is that they pull out a woman, and they fucking murder her on stage, but everybody thinks it's part of the act. And now that's not, probably wasn't an original idea at the time that this was written, assuming this is from the book. But it's still, it's done so well in the movie, and you know it's it's so horrifying is that from the book? Yes, it is. Okay. And for all that the movie did with it, because I agree with you that it's horrifying yeah. in the movie, I actually found the book's description of this little stage show way more unsettling. Really? Well, more on that later. All right. Because I it, I was like, holy shit. Like, again, I was riveted by, like, every scene in this movie, pretty much, where it was just blowing me away at how upsetting and horrifying everything was without mm-hmm. it being like a scary movie yeah you know what i mean like, yeah because it's not it's not a horror movie no it's, not really it does have one of the most effective jump scares i've ever seen in a movie like it, and we'll talk i have a note about it later but it has one of the most effective jump scares that i was not expecting that i thought was perfect and was like such a not only perfect but was like such a great um thematic and character choice and mm-hmm. it just works so well overall with what they're going for yeah. but it's also a really effective jump scare yeah. and we'll talk about it um uh do claudia and her mom uh so they get the the vampires they run into they got this rule you can't kill other vampires they realize surmise read their minds and think they killed lestat even though he's still alive technically mm-hmm. uh and so they kill after uh claudia's new girl new mommy gets turned into a vampire uh, they both get grabbed by these evil vampires and they're not evil, but whatever the vamp, uh, no, the, they're kind of evil. the order of vampires and they get locked in a, a like a, basically like a well that yeah. can see the sky, uh, and they get cooked by the sun and die. Does that happen? In the they middle? do get cooked. Okay. They get dusted. Um, so this is a little thing. 
in the movie that I thought was such a fascinating choice. And I, there's no way you're going to know or remember if it was in the book, but I have to ask about it because it was such a specific little detail. Is when Brad, so the, when they're getting cooked by the sun, Brad Pitt is, they lock Brad Pitt up in a in a coffin and bury him in the wall. Yeah, the like, cask of Amontillado. Huh? Yeah, yeah, they're like, you're going to stay there forever and you'll just get to sit there and scream and you'll never die and you'll just be miserable forever. Um, and But then Armand comes and breaks him out um, because Armand likes him. And uh, as Brad Pitt goes in and after he sees, he, he goes to try to save Claudia and uh, uh, Madeline and he sees that they're dead and then he comes out of the room and in the hallway all of the other vampires are there including the dude from the the vaudeville one the mm-hmm. he's like the second in command or i don't know what he is he's he's like the other main vampire in this group that we see several times in the movie uh, and i don't know if he even has a name um but he doesn't like say anything i don't think he has a line in the whole movie except like when he's on stage maybe or something um but anyways Brad Pitt walks out and he's like distraught obviously because Claudia is dead and he looks at this other vampire and the vampire looks at him and just like shrugs like well what are you gonna do and it's like it's it's such a little thing but it's so it's it works so perfectly for me and the way he does it I can't describe what it was about how this actor like half shrugs at him about mm-hmm. like the fact that his second daughter just they just murdered his second daughter he's like vampire what like yeah that's <laughs> life what are you gonna do <laughs> like i loved it so much it's so dismissive and he's oh is that in the book um no or i don't recall right. any specification like I said, I of that yeah. happening i actually thought you were talking about armand's character because your note just says the one vampire. No, sorry. Um, so I had notes about Armand, but yeah, um, no, no, no. I, I meant there's that one other guy. Yeah, who's uh, like it's Santiago. Santiago, his name. and he's the one who like we think at the time was kind of like the ringleader responsible for like mm-hmm. riling the other vampires up to like kill her and lock Brad Pitt up. Um, later we find out that Armand was kind of. Not responsible, but like, yeah. At least in the movie, maybe he's like not responsible, but he like also wasn't wasn't. In the book, it's revealed like much later that he was actually the okay. one who forces them outside. I think that is actually kind of it in the movie too. We yeah. did kind of find out that he was like basically like, yeah. He, well, yeah, no, we do. He did. He did yeah. order them to be killed because he wanted to. Uh, rem- he, wants, he wanted he wants Brad Louis. Pitt all to himself. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That is what happens in the movie. Yeah. Um. But no, I was talking about the other guy. Anyways, if you don't recall this, look, go back. That scene after Brad Pitt comes out after Claudia dies, that one vampire just shrugs at him in the. Oh, it's so good! It's <laughs> I can't explain it. Just go watch that scene. Um, then Brad Pitt seeking revenge. Louis seeking revenge on these vampires. He comes into their 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 crib. He lights it all on fire, and then he has the scythe that they use on the stage play. They because they're like they have like a death character in mm-hmm. their play, and he has death scythe, and he just starts slicing vamp flaming vampires in half. And I was like, "What the fuck? What? This has <laughs> got to be a movie ad." There's no way this is in the book. Katie isn't in the book. This is in the book. What? The movie I will say amps it up. Yeah, which I want to talk a little bit more about later. But it is in the book. This is how he gets rid of them. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> 
That's wild. Um, so speaking of Armand, Armand, uh, him and Armand, uh, after this all goes down, he murders all the vampires. Uh, he's talking to Armand, and Armand's like, yeah, I could have stopped you, but I didn't. And Brad Pitt starts walking with them, and it's seeming that they're going to now become companions and go travel the world together. But then Brad Pitt's like, nah. And he sort of realizes and surmises that um, Armand uh, was responsible for Claudia and Madeline dying. Um and is like, get out of here. I'm doing yeah. my own thing. And it, to me, it was very representative. And I think this is, we'll get into this probably some more at some point. Um, but uh, I think one of the main themes that I got from the movie is that uh, a commentary on sort of abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, Brad Pitt is in a very abusive relationship with Lestat. Mm-hmm. Where Lestat holds all the power and is it gaslights him and does all these horrible things to him. Um, and he sort of eventually runs away, but not of his own doing. Like, he gets out of that because Claudia kind of connives yeah. him out of that. Uh, but then we see him grow, and then when he gets this, uh, a chance with a new similar relationship that we think might be better for him, that he thinks might be, he's now learned enough to realize that it's not, and he sort of breaks that abusive cycle that he was in. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. And is that what happens in the book? Uh... No, not really. Okay. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that uh, he travels with Armand okay. for like a long time. Yeah, we don't get that afterwards. In the yeah, they, just... they do eventually part ways. Um, and like while he's, I mean, we don't see a lot of them traveling together. It's kind of like a like an epilogue, yeah, almost to the end of the story where he just like talks about like places that they went. Um. But you get the implication that it's not the same kind of relationship that he had with Lestat. So there's that. All right. Interesting. Yeah, because I thought in the movie it was a very... I I really liked, based on what you... Based on that description of what happens in the book, I really like where the movie goes with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Having him basically... Because we like Armand, kind of, up -hmm. until that point. And so we're like as an audience kind of on board with him hanging out with Armand. And then when he turns him down and then we realize it's almost the, the movie almost tricks us into thinking or almost tricks us into like rooting for it and then realizing, Oh no, we were rooting for him to enter into another horrible (laughs) relationship and then sort of pulls the rug out from under us. But then we get to see Brad Pitt's character growth as he doesn't do it again. And then moving on to my next question, uh, we see the ultimate culmination of that in the movie where Brad Pitt goes back and denies Lestat himself to his face. Yes. Brad Pitt goes back to New Orleans, finds the old house, and Lestat's there. And Lestat says, hey, take me out. If you help me, I can go hunting and I can get my inner Because he's like decrepit and laying in a mm-hmm. chair, seemingly dying. Um, and he says, if you help me, I can gain my power back and we can be together again. And Brad Pitt tells him to go fuck himself. Like, yeah. And so I thought that was a really good sort of three-beat, three like, growth of Brad Pitt's character from being in a Rubicent relationship um, without sort of realizing it and then also kind of realizing it and then getting out of it sort of by luck, mm-hmm. kind of with Claudia being responsible, then almost getting into another one but recognizing it and getting out of it and then going back to sort of deal with the initial abusive yeah. relationship yeah. he was in. I thought that was really 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 well done and uh, i thought it was just, uh fascinating but um does that happen in the book does he go back and does he confront lestat yes okay cool and he's telling him to go fuck himself <laughs> <laughs> 
he tell he Lestat keeps asking him if he'll stay. He's like, "Will you stay? Will you stay?" And he's just like, mm, "No." Cool. So similar. All right. Yeah. Last question for was that in the book? And this is the I watched the movie and you asked me what I thought of it and I was like, I really liked it, other than the very, 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 very <laughs> end of the movie. And so the reporter uh, gets away, runs away from Brad, Brad Pitt after he like kind of freaks out on him. Um, uh, and then the reporter runs away and he's driving away. And he puts in his tape and he's listening to the interview and he's like, wow, this is great stuff. And as he's driving across the Golden Gate Bridge, all of a sudden, Lestat is in the car next to him, grabs him and bites him uh-huh. and says, I assume I'd need no introduction or something like that, uh, and bites him. And then the reporter dies and Brad or Tom Cruise drives the car and then the, the camera pulls out and the movie ends playing still wearing lace cuffs still wearing lace cuffs, cuffs and the and, <laughs> and the song uh oh i can't it's some it's some very early 90s or late yeah. 80s like pop rock song playing and i was like what just happened something completely tonally dissonant it makes sense kind of but it's such a early 90s choice to yeah. end the movie that way but the song's not super important the the does Lestat show up and murder bite the the reporter at the end of the story? No, he okay, does not. <laughs> that felt so much like a movie change to me uh, because uh, to me, so knowing that's not in the book, to me that felt how does the and I don't know if you have this in a later segment, but how does the book end? Um, the book ends with the reporter trying to go find Lestat. Okay. That's, yeah, and that's interesting. See that yeah. that almost that's a better, and that then you could still even if you wanted to do sequel because to me this felt like sequel bait. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? We're gonna get like a sequel about uh, Tom Cruise driving a car and being or a vampire. Whatever. Or either sequel bait or just like the sort of generic, almost like the like. Well, it's a it's a scary movie. We need that typical Hollywood scary movie ending yeah. where the bad guy. He's still out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, surprise, the hand bursts through the ground and it's, they're still alive type of thing. And it's like, oh, we didn't really need that. Yeah, like, no. I think it's, it because then it's honestly, I knowing, I actually love that in the book, this reporter has all heard all of this terrible stuff about Lestat. That's, all, that's a more horrifying ending that this mm-hmm. reporter hears all of these terrible things about Lestat and everything that he's done and how horrible he is and all this stuff and goes, I'm going to go talk to him. I want to go see what he's about is and then like is like going to find him. And then it just ends is horrifying. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Yeah, right. Like end it with him pulling up outside the house that we know Lestat yeah. in or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you learned nothing. Yeah. That, yeah, that's great. You know what I mean? Like, that's so such a good idea. I like that idea, too. Like, he pulls up outside the house and you're like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Because then you know what you know that Lestat's going to talk him into, and he's going to, you know, and then the cycle starts all over, and it's like, holy shit, that's that, that's brilliant. Whereas this ending's just like, surprise. <laughs> it's the early nineties. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> ah, the end. Play the rock song. <laughs> like it's oh, such a bad ending on an otherwise fantastic film. Glad to hear it's not in the book disappointing to hear that they made such a stupid change <laughs> but that feels 100 percent like studio notes let's move on lost in adaptation just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way wow was lost yes yes and i want to get unlost 
as soon as possible. I have a, these. Some of these are going to be complicated and not going to have good answers. I, I, I had because because this movie is one of the things I loved so much about this movie is how little it does explain at times. Mm-hmm. It's not. It doesn't get super expositiony with like all the rules and everything that's going on mm-hmm. and everybody's motivation isn't perfectly laid out, but it's there enough that you can kind of get it all. But I was just kind of wanted to see what more we got from the book because there was some stuff I was a little cloudy on. Why does the radio? So he's a radio reporter in the movie. He uh, Brad Pitt says uh, I, you were following me or whatever. Why did you follow? He followed me up here. Um, and, and and the reporter says something along the lines of like, I could you seemed interesting and says, tell me your story. Is that all there is to it in the book, or does how does that their relationship begin in the book? I don't recall any clarification. Okay, on this. the book just jumps in with Louis getting ready to tell his story to the reporter. I don't think it's important to the book. I agree, it's not important at all. I just thought it was because like the movie's just like they're just like together. I'm like, well, where? How did this? Okay, sure, fine. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter, yeah. but so nothing more in the book. How does turning people into vampires work? I don't know how much more detail we get in the movie or in the book. Because in the movie, they can bite people, um, but then that doesn't turn them necessarily. They mm-hmm. have to bite people, and then that person has to feed. Then they have to like bite themselves yeah. and feed their blood to the person. Is that how it works in the book? Yeah, so the vampire totally like drains yeah. out the human blood like to the point of death. That's what happens in the on movie. On death's yeah. precipice. Yeah. And then the human drinks from the vampire, replacing their human blood with vampire blood. A voila- Vampire. Yep. Okay. That is what happens in the movie. It's just a little, and the movie kind of takes its time explaining that. Like yeah. at first, it's a little more vague, but then eventually it becomes pretty. Yeah. Crazy. So they can bite them. Um. At sometimes they just like kill them, or they just die, or like if they don't drain them completely, like they get sick and they might die or they yeah. might live. Yeah. Okay. So this is so after Brad Pitt turns, this scene was fascinating, uh, really interesting. He uh, he become he's turning into a vampire and he's looking around and they're like in like the woods and there's like a statue there or something and he sees this statue. They're in like a cemetery. A cemetery, yeah. sorry, not the woods. And the statue starts moving, and I was just trying to figure out what that what was going on in that scene because he says like. Uh, I was a vampire seeing the night for the first time and weeping. And it, and it, it feels very poetic and like mm-hmm. I don't think the statue necessarily was actually moving, but he's just sort of seeing the world through new eyes. And it's yeah, is that kind of the vibe in the book? Yeah. The idea in the book is that he gets super senses after right. turning into a vampire. Um, and I think I think that's what the movie was going for with like the statues seemed to move yeah. kind of a thing. Um, but I didn't particularly care for it. I think if this movie was made again, which it doesn't need to be, but I think if it Mm -hmm. was like that kind of scene, they would do something with special effects that like did some weird warping, like, yeah, like almost acid trippy thing with Mm -hmm. like the way the world looks as opposed yeah, to like a statue just it, being alive. Or if you, know? you could get it to look like hyper HD. Yeah. Like yeah. real sharp. Yeah. Or like, yeah, everything comes in the vivid color and mm-hmm. like certain things. Yeah. You, there, there would be an interesting way to do it. Um, because the statue just moving, I was like a little confused yeah. at what that was. Because the statue I, literally no, just yeah, like turns it and just literally like turns and blinks. And yeah. I would, I have a note about it later. I was like, where are we going yeah with what's this? that and nothing ever comes <laughs> of it and i was just a little confused by that but i i got kind of what they're going for mainly from his voiceover of describing it versus uh what i was actually seeing but 
How long do Louis and Lestat live at uh, Louis' estate? In the mo- in the movie, they they like hang out at Louis' estate for a while mm-hmm. uh, before Brad Pitt goes all fire starter and burns it down. Mm-hmm. Assuming that that happens in the book, which I don't know that it does. Um, but how long are they hanging out at his estate, like chilling? Before um, they- it's not a super long time, I don't think. Uh, so in the book, a big part of the reason arguably the only reason that Lestat turns Louis is because he wants his estate. Oh, that's um, not. Yeah. And which mm. is not really a factor. Uh, in not the that book, I noticed at least in the movie. Um, I mean, it mentions that he likes luxury, Yeah, which is part of it. He wants like a luxurious place to live. Like he wants to live in this like opulence and like have money. Um, but in the book, he also needs a place to hide his blind and aging father. Until he dies. Oh, okay. Um, and at some point, the father does die. And I don't think it's super long after that when the house burns down. Okay. Um, the book doesn't give a lot of, like, actual indications of how much time has passed. But I don't think that they were there long enough to, like, arouse suspicion in the in the right. form of like why aren't you aging yeah kind of a way gotcha so maybe a few months or a year or something it, i think it's more like a few years a few years okay yeah. that was um, the vibe i got anyway okay. so uh, this is something that i thought the movie was maybe failed the most at is they set up early in the movie that louis won't kill anybody mm-hmm. uh he's only drinking rat's blood um he uh he he can't bite people. He tries a couple times. He can't do it. He's he's sort of uh, repulsed by it. Uh, we find out later that um, like Armand eventually calls him a um, what does he call him? He says uh, an immortal with a mortal's soul mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. Uh, basically, a vampire with a heart. And seemingly, so then we have the scene in the movie where he bites Claudia. But then after that, we sort of time jump and it just seems like he's fine eating people. At least for according to the characters, they're all like talking about him, like just being fine. Like, oh, he used to eat rats, but he doesn't anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was like, oh, I felt like we just sort of abandoned that like character Mm -hmm. element of him of not being able to eat people. We're just sort of like, and now he can moving on. Like, we're not going to tell you. Does does the book go over that? Um, So this I mean, this is something that obviously plays out more slowly throughout the course of the book. Um, and he does struggle with it to some extent pretty much all along. Um, but I think his character is really marked by, like, inaction. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we talked a little bit, or at least we mentioned it, um, this idea of, like, Catholic guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in typical Catholic fashion, he's like completely immobilized by his own guilt. I can say that because I was raised Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he probably enjoys the self-flagellation to some extent. Right. Um, so I guess I think he just has this attitude of like, oh, well, I guess this is just how things are. And he just does nothing um, and is like, well, I'm damned and I can't do anything about it. So... Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, I wish. I guess I had seen. I guess I, I wish the movie had sh- had a scene, and I don't feel like it did. Where that where that click over had taken place that we saw. Yeah. Because we see him bite Claudia, and he's very remorseful about that afterwards, and he thinks he murdered her, and he feels terrible about it. Um, 
And then, like I said, we just sort of time jump after they turn her. Mm-hmm. Like, we get, like, some montage and stuff, and then it's been years or whatever, and they talk about how it's been great. And he's just eating people and still seemingly feels bad about it, but does it. Um, and I, I guess it just, I don't know. I wanted, like, a scene where we kind of at least saw him eat. I don't think we see him eat anybody in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After he bites Claudia, like you're we don't, right. I don't think we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just felt like I should. I wanted one scene where we see like, oh, well, I guess we see him bite um, the, the Madeline or whatever. But yeah, but that's but that's a different yeah, situation. It's a different thing. Um, and I thought it would be interesting to like see a scene where he like is dealing with it and like mm-hmm. yeah he does it and he's still like just to see like is he still miserable? Does he still like hate himself for it that he has to do? Like what's the you know. Uh, I just felt like the movie kind of abandoned it. Uh, is there anything to stop them from just walking out in the sun? Because so Brad Pitt is miserable and he wants to die always. And he hates Tom Cruise for turning him into a vampire. And he's like, I wish I could I have to live forever. It's like, you, but you don't the sun. And is there a reason that is, 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 is he so miserable about being a vampire, but never decides to take a sun's a sunrise I mean, stroll on the beach? I guess there's really not anything to stop them from doing that. Okay. Aside from just like inaction and enjoying his guilt and whatnot. Okay. I don't know. He's just a miserable dude, but I think at some level he likes being miserable. I think you're right. And they kind of say that in the movie. Uh, I think yeah. the, specifically uh, Lestat like, says that to him. Yeah. He says something. I can't remember the exact line, but it is a great line. He says something about him. Oh, God. What does he say? Oh, it's such a good line. I thought I wrote it down. Maybe I didn't. Um, where he says something about him being a... <laughs> no, dang it. He says something to Brad, or he says something to Brad Pitt about him being, like, in love with being miserable or something. Yeah. Like he says something. It's a great line, and I'm really mad that I can't remember or didn't write it down because it's a it's a really well written line. But it's it he does comment on, on that aspect of Brad Pitt's character, uh, yeah. sort of the being in, uh, in love with his own um, misery, kind of. Um, and then my last question, oh, second to last question, what's the deal with Armand's kid that everybody sucks blood from? I didn't, that in the movie just showed there's a kid there and he's yeah. like, try some. And then the kid just walks away and I was like, what is going on? Uh, so at the book, I think he's supposed to be a little older in the book. Okay. Maybe he looked he's um, like 14, awfully young yeah. to me in the movie, but the book heavily implies that he's like Armand's like sex slave, oh. blood slave. Okay. I mean, supposedly I mean, he's there because he wants to be there. Yeah, I was. It was strange. I wasn't sure what was going on with with that. It because it's so fleeting and like it's yeah. like one little moment. And I, I, I feels like one of those things where it's like, well, that's for the book readers to be like that character. Mm-hmm. You got that moment, that thing. But I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Because I was like, I guess he's not a vampire, but he's just, okay, cool, whatever, moving on. We're not explaining it. He's um, just a guy with a vampire fetish. Which, yeah, which again, I like those elements of it at times where it's just like this weird thing that like doesn't really get explained, but sort of like adds to the weird... The weird ambiance. Ambiance yeah. of the movie. It's like there's <laughs> this kid who just gets his blood sucked and is just like, okay, sure. Um... Uh, so what's the deal with Armand? Why does he want Louis? Uh, he says he calls Louis in the movie the spirit of the age. Everything he says is an enigma wrapped in a mystery, (laughs) 
wrapped in a 14 year old poet's words I, like i i am sorry but who the fuck ever knows what armand <laughs> is talking about because he's a fucking pretentious twat all right like least favorite character in the whole book everything he says is just like Ugh. yeah i thought he was interesting um mainly because i thought antonio banderas plays him well um but he is. I was like, "What are you on about?" With this, he's the spirit of the age. He's just a guy. What? I was like, "Am I missing something here?" Like, I don't understand why he's so infatuated with Brad Pitt, and they're talking about like uh, Claudia says that he had been waiting for Brad Pitt because Brad Pitt's not like all these other vampires. Not like <laughs> other vampires. Not like other girls. He's the spirit of the age. I don't even know. I was very confused by their whole dynamic. Uh, other than just the idea that like Armand's infatuated with them for some reason, in the end I don't. Know. There is there is more about the spirit of the age thing in the book, but I don't remember exactly how he explains it, and it's obtuse anyway. Okay. Oh, so I mentioned earlier, assuming the scythe thing. Last question: Assuming the scythe thing uh, does happen, which it does, we find out Brad Pitt goes ham with the scythe. How does 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 it actually kill the Santiago? Because in the movie, the him and Santiago face off, mm-hmm. and he just slices Santiago in half. And I was like, is that a special scythe, or <laughs> can they just get cut in half, or will he just like sew himself back together, or what's um, does that happen in the what's what's how do you kill vampires? What's so going on? The, I think I think there were only two ways. I don't remember them mentioning a third way. Um, so you can dismember a vampire or you can burn a vampire. Okay. And those are like pretty much the only two ways to like completely destroy a vampire. Right. Um, and he does deal a pretty bad blow to Santiago in that scene. Um, but he doesn't like whack the entire top of his body off. Okay. He cuts him in half. He yeah. like cuts him right in half of the torso. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and then I guess he burned because the yeah. whole place was burning. So yeah. fair enough. All right. That was all it for Lost Adaptation. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it doesn't matter. Let's move on to Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So the flying. Yeah. In the movie. You there don't like was flying. flying. I didn't care for it. I thought it was cheesy. Uh, statue blinking, we talked about. Interesting, maybe, but like, gave me a lot of new questions <laughs> yeah. that never went anywhere. Yeah. Uh, movie abandons a lot of the homoeroticism in this it does. story. It does, because I was waiting for it, because I thought she had talked about, we had talked in the prequel about how Anne Rice had mentioned potentially rewriting writing Louie as yeah. a woman. Yeah. Um, because she didn't think Hollywood would make a movie like with the homoeroticism. Well, and spoilers, this book is very homoerotic. Yeah. And there's elements of it in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's way not as much as I was expecting. Like, there's way yeah. more between Armand and Brad Pitt than I feel like there is between Louis and Lest- Like, there's way more between Louis and Armand than there is between Louis and mm-hmm. um, Lestat, it feels like, because they're always, like, with women and stuff. In, yeah. in the movie yeah. and yeah I mean, yeah a couple things like right off the bat in the movie uh not long after he turns louis they kill a prostitute together mm-hmm. um and in the book it's 
like a, a runaway slave. That's like a strapping young man. Hmm. Um, and then Louis or Louis says to the reporter in the movie that Lestat prefers like pretty young women. Yeah. But in the book, he prefers young boys in their prime. There you go. Um, and then there's the scene later with the two uh, little boys that Claudia yeah. procures, which is um, homoerotic, a lot pedoerotic. Yeah, whatever. It's the right uh, word it's be. an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, I felt like I said I, the movie felt like it definitely didn't play up as much as I was expecting mm-hmm. based on what I had heard um, at all. I guess maybe I should have been expecting it to sort of dial that way back but yeah, it dials it way back yeah i definitely feel like though that uh it definitely does feel like Anne rice or that jk rowling was an Anne rice fan have we ever has anybody ever talked to her about this because there are element a lot of elements of like it definitely felt at times like the 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 Lestat and louis relationship had shades of the the grindelwald dumbledore relationship mm. yeah um and then just other sort of like the fantastical elements of it, obviously. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I thought it wouldn't surprise me if she was a big fan of Anne Rice because it felt I have felt some yeah, some inspiration was yeah. drawn. Um, so there's a storyline that gets cut um, with uh, Louis's neighbors when they are living at his original estate, which I'll talk about more later in another segment. Um, I I wanted to say though that I thought his temp kind of temper tantrum when he burns the plantation house down yeah. seemed like a little sudden. A little bit, maybe, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a, a little kind of a, kind of a little out of nowhere. Yeah. But you're saying there's a storyline that they yeah, cut. Yeah, there's that, a storyline that they cut. That helps set that up. That, a yeah, it helps set it up a little bit. Gotcha. Uh so uh in the book Lestat at one point while they're living together with Claudia, um, has an obsession with, like, a young musician boy um, that he kind of toys with, and then eventually, um, after he comes back from the dead, uh, turns him into a vampire. Um, And it isn't wholly necessary to the story, like, the story proper, the larger arcs. Yeah. Um, But I did think that it fleshed out Lestat a little bit past, like, just this utterly cruel and miserable person. Yeah. So it was kind of like an interesting, different facet to him. Yeah. That, like, we know why he turned Louis, but there wasn't really anything that this other person could provide for him. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, I don't know, I was kind of thought it was an interesting element. Um, So in the movie, they do not meet any Eastern European vampires. In the book, they do. Oh. Um, so we skipped that whole thing altogether, which was disappointing to me because the Eastern European vampires are old school vampires. Nice. In the sense that they are like animals. Oh. They're like completely animalistic. Interesting. Which is something that we talked about in the prequel. Yeah. That's yeah, like yeah. an old, old like mythology version of what a vampire is. And I thought that would have been really interesting to see. Like I thought it would have been cool to see this movie do that yeah um and like go to like old eastern european ruins and like just have this completely crazed like inhuman human vampire Mm -hmm. um and i liked the symbolism of like the new world vampires literally killing the old world vampires yeah 
Yeah, and I think that's sort of we're supposed to get that a little bit from Louis killing the the Paris vampires, the Paris vampires yeah. who are kind of the old world vampires to Louis's yeah. version of vampires. Even like he's the next generation; he's the spirit of the age, <laughs> or whatever. Um. Um. All right. So the theater scene, horrifying in the movie. Um. In the book, there was just something about it. Um, the girl doesn't like scream and try to run away. I thought that was the only thing I thought would have made more sense is that if they if she did that in the movie. Or sorry. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Wait, what? So she doesn't like scream and try to run and like kind of make a big fuss. She's like kind of quietly pleading with them and like silently sobbing and something about it rang way more horrifying. Oh. Like, it was kind of, like, folded in and, like, this quiet, like, creeping kind of horror. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I like the way the movie did it because she does get to that point, which was horrifying. Yeah. Like, But she starts out initially, she's, like, trying to run, which made sense to me. Like, she's like, oh, people, I'm out. Like, she would try to run. Um, but I, I didn't read it, so I can't compare yeah. it. But. I liked the way the movie did it. Um, the audience is also supposed to fucking love it. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. That, they, that, they're supposed to like go bananas at the end of the that show. That was 100% what I was expecting. It feels like yeah. the obvious choice. Yeah. And so I was a little surprised in the movie switches Where it to them. Where they just like, like get up and leave. They're like horrified. They're like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, like, no, I, I expected them to be like, yeah, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. yeah. That was what I was expecting. Uh, the Paris Vampires are so emo in the book and it's so great like they all dye their hair black and they're like well we're vampires we're of the night <laughs> and like at one point claudia is wearing like a like a pastel lavender dress and one of them tells her that it's inappropriate nice for a vampire to wear because vampires should only wear black nice I did like them in the movie. They're they, like we're introduced to them, and they live in the crypts. And there's the one one of the female vampires is like laying. St- I'm pretty sure it's some sort of statue or something that she's recreating, basically. But she's like laying on a yeah a chair, like just in the most morose. Like uh, <laughs> it's, it's so great. I think that the book does well to introduce who Madeline is before bringing her to the hotel to get turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. Like we don't meet her in any kind of extended way. Um, but uh, Claudia goes to her shop and gets a doll and like tells Louie all about her. So we have yeah. some kind of idea of who she is yeah. before she just like shows up. Yeah. That might've been like, I'm going to be Claudia's mom. I would bet that's a deleted scene. Yeah. Cause yeah, they're trying maybe. to get it down to two hours. It, this, there's probably like a two twenty cut of this that has a scene where, mm-hmm. He's, she's talking about her or something. Um, so in the book, uh, Lestat shows up while they're in Paris. Um, hmm. And that's how the Paris vampires know that Claudia tried to kill him. Yeah. In the movie, they just do the mind They do reading. like the mind reading yeah. thing. Um, and I think that maybe we needed that reintroduction before the end because it had been a while since we'd seen Lestat. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think that just makes more sense than like some vampires can read minds. Woo. Yeah. Uh, I feel robbed that the movie didn't let me see Madeline be a completely crazy vampire. Cause she's supposed to be like 
insane after they turn her. Oh. She's a vampire for a little while. Yeah. Before they they get toasted. Because my note that I had later, I was talking about it now, I was like, wow, she picked the worst day to become a vampire. Yeah. Because they, the come, they come grab them like immediately. Literally right after she yeah. turns into so a vampire. She's a vampire for a while and she's supposedly like insane. Um, and she also makes a bunch of like miniature stuff. For Claudia, like that's her size for her to use, which I kind of wanted to see. Interesting. Um, so the the ending of the book, uh, the book ends with Lestat dying of old age, quote unquote, which for a vampire means that he's like slowly going mad because he can't cope with the way that the world is changing. Oh. Um. And I, I like, too, we talked about it a little bit, and I, I like that it ends with the reporter going to find Lestat. Yeah. Did not care with the way the movie no. did it. No. Didn't, very 90s. Didn't no. like it. So if it, if it Lestat dies of old age, he goes mad because he can't keep up with the world's changing. If this movie was set today, it would just be Lestat sitting in a chair yelling about how all the, all the snowflake kids are too easily triggered these yeah. days. And then yep. he just dies in his chair shaking his fist. <laughs> At the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was it for Better in the Book. Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I'm going to call changing Louis's brother to a wife and child a good change. I think it achieves the same kind of, like, brooding depression and malaise while being more concise and easier to understand without needing a ton of backstory. Yeah, and it also helps motivate his connection to Claudia. Yeah, So yeah. Um, I thought it was cool getting to see Brad Pitt's transition into a vampire. Mm -hmm. I thought the movie actually made it kind of subtle and cool. Like, because that could have been really cheesy in the early 90s. And, like, the the effects aren't amazing. No. Um, No, They're they're, they're very passable, though. Yeah. A lot of practical effects, too. And it looks pretty cool. Especially, I thought that his teeth growing looked pretty good. I liked Lestat's slicey, dicey, thimble thingy. Me too. That's what I was calling it. So fun. Slicey dicey thimble thingy. Uh, Louis killing the poodles, which was a weird moment of, I want to say, levity. Quote unquote levity. <laughs> yeah. Like, compared to everything compared else. Compared to everything else going on, yeah. Um, all right, so the storyline that the movie eliminates with his, his next door neighbors, um, there's like a whole big thing with them. Um, there's a woman called Babette who Louis is kind of like in love with. Um, and there's at one point like the son in this family was going to be in like a pistols at dawn kind of duel um, and it makes Lestat angry because Lestat has been like planning to kill this kid because um, that's just the kind of crazy motherfucker he is. Um, so he wins in the duel but then Lestat goes ahead and murders him <sighs> and there <laughs> and it gets really like kind of convoluted right. which is part of the reason that I thought that uh that they made a good decision in cutting that storyline yeah. um that moves things along um but the house still burns down and Louis still has to confront thinking that he's like Satan incarnate yeah but it's all a lot more concise yeah um I also liked seeing Claudia's killing sprees yeah as a child mm-hmm. she goes around eating everybody yep um, I Lestat had a line um, about Yankees 
Yeah. He says their democratic flavor doesn't suit my palate, yeah. which I thought was funny. It's a good line. It's a great line. <laughs> um, I liked Claudia's tantrum, the haircutting scene, also leaving the corpse in the bed. I thought that stuff was all really great. None of it's in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad that we skipped a lot of the philosophical conversations with Armand <sighs> because Boy, do they talk a lot. That was why it took me so long to get through the last third of this book, because almost all of it is just Louis and Armand having like pretentious philosophical uh, conversations yeah. about like the nature of evil. <laughs> and I was like, can we just <laughs> close this out? Let's do a thing, please. Yeah. Um, so in the book, we don't actually see Claudia and Madeline burn up yeah. because we're in Louis's perspective and he's locked in a box. Um, and we don't, so, we get elements of it. We don't see it in the movie, but we see yeah, we the do. lead up to it. And then like it cuts right as they start to burn. We see them turn into ash. We see them after being ash. Do we, I swear we don't see them. Like, I swear we do. I swear it's like keeps leading up and then we see them start to burn and then we cuts away and then it comes in and then we see them as like the, the Pompeii ash statues, but I could be wrong. Either way, it's intense. It is either way. Um, and I thought that their ash corpses seemed more gruesome than they were described in the book because the book describes it as kind of like a pile of ash with like clothes and hair. Yeah. Yeah, the movie goes, like I said, for like the Pompeii. Yeah, like, yeah. The bodies like holding each other in the shape thing. Um, the burning and the slicing of the Paris vampires I thought was really great Yeah, in the movie. In the book, he sets the whole place on fire and then he gets confronted by Santiago and he slices him up a little bit, but not like in half. Yeah. Um, but I thought the, I especially thought that the addition of him like, burning the coffins and then, and then like, standing there them open as they are yeah, waiting when as they, they like come pop out, out and he's like it's amazing <laughs> i thought that was great it's so good <laughs> so good it's so ridiculous i loved it so much and i prefer that louis leaves armand and does not yeah. travel with him because in the book they travel together for a pretty long time yeah even though armand is responsible for yeah. claudia's death yeah yeah, yeah. um and we hadn't really talked about this but i i like that at the end of the movie uh, Louis finds solace in movies. Yeah, I thought that was so yeah. interesting that he becomes a cinephile. Like and I said. I, yeah, and I think it gives a good explanation for how he's able to live for so long and alone and not go insane the way that Lestat does. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I was gonna put that in. Was that in the book? Does does Louis become a cinephile? Because it almost felt like a obviously like a very movie ad mm-hmm. to be like. And then he fell in love with cinema, and it saved his soul. Cinema saved him. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, I was like, all right, movie maker, yeah. calm down. Yeah. But, all right, Neil Jordan or whatever, whoever the, <laughs> whatever the guy's name is. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I did really like it. I thought it was really interesting, and I thought the monologue he gives during that part was really well done, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And they show him watching Nosferatu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And probably laughing the whole time. Yeah, and I thought though the one little line that I thought was really clever that you know that he he says like I got to see a sunrise for the first time in two hundred years or whatever yeah. like that you know because you can watch it in a movie and I was like oh it's really nice yeah I liked it a lot. All right, that was it for better in the movie. Well, we got a few items in the movie nailed it. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, the movie nails the settings, um, especially the like lush southern gothic 
setting when they're yeah. uh, down south and like around New Orleans. New Orleans yeah. um, I thought they did a good job, even though they kind of abandoned this. I thought yeah. they did a good job with Louis's initial discomfort yeah, for sure. with killing people. Well, and that was why it was so distinct to me that yeah. it just goes away is because yeah. it's so palpable and clear for the first act of the movie yeah, and or whatever. especially like the scene with the poodles where you pan over to him and he's just holding two dead poodles yeah like what yeah. <laughs> while the woman just sits there and screams yeah uh they're draining the rat blood into a wine goblet mm-hmm. nailed that the scene where lestat toys with the half-dead prostitute and locks her in the coffin that plays out like almost exactly like a lot of the lines yeah. are the same. Um, yeah. And then him trying to force Louis to kill by like setting it up as ending her right. suffering yeah, yeah, yeah. and like gaslighting him in that way. Yeah. Um, Lestat dancing with uh, I was gonna Claudia's ask about dead I mother's forgot. corpse. Yes. He, he does. Super uh, horrifying. He, he uh, waltzes around the room with her corpse. Yeah. He says she's not quite dead yet. Um, the scene where Claudia turns into a vampire, I thought they pretty much nailed. Mm hmm. Zombie, zombie Lestat. Zombie Lestat. Zombie uh, Lestat as an icky, not properly killed vampire who's been through a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the that scene where Louis initially meets Santiago and he's like mirroring him yeah. um, is how it happened in the book, except for like the walking up the wall part. Right. But um, I thought they also did a really good job, like, syncing them up in that yeah. scene, like, even the, like, the footsteps and everything, yeah. which was an element in the book that, like, his footsteps are matching his exactly. Yeah. So that would be the only potentially, if it's not explicitly mentioned anywhere, that might be the only um, allusion in the book to them being able to, like, read minds or something. Because yeah, that, maybe. Because that was what I got, like, oh, it's like a slight reinforcement on that in the movie, mm-hmm. is how he's able to so perfectly cap copy everything he's doing is because it's like in perfect time with right, him, not just yeah. like you know anyways okay all right cool that was it for Naya movie nail it we got a few general notes and then we'll get to the final verdict um i love that becoming a vampire made claudia's hair curly yeah yeah <laughs> That was like the only kind of weird thing. Yeah, it was a little strange. About um any of the transitions in this. Like her hair just like went <laughs> Yeah. Just poofs into yeah. She gets um she gets like what's her name curls? Uh the uh Shirley Temple curls. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like more. Yeah, but like way more. Um I talked about it earlier, the jump scare that I was talking mm-hmm. about that I put a pin in. I was completely not expecting it, and it's so perfect, is when um, Lestat is, tells Louis to come meet him or whatever mm-hmm. if he wants to become a vampire, basically, or, or, or something. I don't remember the exact context, but he tells him to come meet him, and right? Isn't it in my crazy? Cr- something like that, I think, yeah. Yeah, and he shows, so Louis shows up in the cemetery, and Lestat's there, and Lestat's sitting on a thing, and Louis walks up, and Lestat says something to him, like, are you ready or something? And then it cuts back to Brad Pitt, a reverse shot of Brad Pitt. And you're expecting him to say something like, I don't know. Or, mm-hmm. uh, can I ask you some qu- something, but it cuts back to the reverse shot of Brad Pitt. And before he can even say anything, Tom Cruise jumps into the frame and bites him. <laughs> and it was so like, Oh shit. <laughs> and I love it too, because it fits with, uh, 
it's perfect for Lestat's character because he doesn't wait for him to respond. Mm-hmm. He just immediately bites him and kills him. Um, and it's a, gr- a great, effective jump scare because I was not expecting it mm-hmm. at all. It took, came out of nowhere for me. And I was like, holy shit. Um, and I also think like it ties into the I just I, I thought it was one of the best jump scares I've seen in a movie in a long time because yeah. it was so so unexpected for me. I just I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't that. There was another moment too that worked really well as like a, a horror movie moment for me. Um, after they kill Lestat when they're getting ready to leave and they hear like a knock on the door and Louis like, oh, that's the carriage. And he goes down to the door and I was sitting there like, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I loved uh, there's a, a random shot when Claudia's researching vampires, a shot of her reading in the library surrounded by like old white men. Yeah. That like really pleased me. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, but Tom Cruise as Lestat is straight up horrifying. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to go in much more depth, but I cannot stress enough the scene where he turns Claudia Every scene that he's in, but that one in particular, it's just the way he's he it's so manipulative and so, so gross and horrifying. And he does it so well. And it's a little disconcerting of like what, you know, it's like, uh, you know, with all the weird rumors about Tommy, who knows? But like it makes it a little even more weird. But like just it's. So well done. Yeah. And so horrifying. I could not get over it. It it's one of the things that just in fat like uh, just infatuated me about this movie was just like how uh I could not look away from how like in- intense everything was mm-hmm. about like even when things are not intense, it's like still super intense. Yeah. So there's something that I want to talk about that's in the book. Okay. I'm gonna have to go get my book because I need to read an excerpt. I I meant to bring it in here and I forgot. Hold on, hold on one moment. All right. So, Anne Rice Vampire Verse. Becoming a vampire makes you need to drink blood, and you can't go out in the sunlight, and apparently, it also makes you realize that black people are people. What? Yep. What? Yep. Okay. I mean, Brad, Brad Pitt <laughs> does set his slaves free after he becomes a vampire. He does. But that seemed more circumstantial than like him turning more over a like new leaf. In service to him. More of just like, yeah, because he was like, he burned his house down and he was leaving. So he's like, you're free. Get out of here. <laughs> And I mean, okay, I say, like, makes you realize that black people are people. I'm not sure if that's exactly what's going on here okay. in the book. But there's a very interesting excerpt that I would like to read aloud. Please do. Just want to preface this. These are Anne Rice's words and not mine. Okie dokie doke. After that was settled, during which my new detachment served me admirably, I had the problem of the plantation itself. My slaves were in a state of complete confusion, and no work had been done all day. Um, We had a large plant then for the making of the indigo dye, and the overseer's management had been most important. Well, side note, that him and Lestat had previously killed the overseer. Okay. Okay. Um, 
But I had several extremely intelligent slaves who might have done his job just as well a long time before, if I had recognized their intelligence and not feared their African appearance and manner. I studied them clearly now and gave the management of things over to them. To the best, I gave the overseer's house on a promise. Uh, two of the young women were brought back into the house from the fields to care for Lestat's father, and I told them I wanted as much privacy as possible, and they would all be rewarded not only for service, but for leaving me and Lestat absolutely alone. I did not realize at the time that these slaves would be the first, and possibly the only ones, to ever suspect that Lestat and I were not ordinary creatures. I failed to realize that their experience with the supernatural was far greater than that of white men. In my own inexperience, I still thought of them as childlike savages barely domesticated by slavery. I made a bad mistake. And okay. excerpt. Yeah. It's, 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 I read that and I put the book down and I like laughed nervously for a full five minutes. <laughs>, laughs nervously to herself and moving on. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I don't, I don't, I, I don't like what, what are, what, that's what? Wild. That's a wild. That was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. Yeah, I don't even, yep, yep. not even going to yep. figure out, yep. try to just dissect that one. That's a lot going on there. I mean, less racist, maybe. Moderately less racist. Moderately less racist, but still probably kind of racist, it seems like. Not as racist as you were? Good job. Vampires are slightly less racist <laughs> than they used to be. Cool. So yeah, becoming a vampire makes you ever so slightly less racist. So I know what we need to do. Turn everybody into Turn a everybody into a vampire. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, my last note was there's, again, a little, uh, like the shrug, there was this other little great moment. And it's when in the final confrontation between Lestat and Louis... Uh, Lestat's in his like in like a rolly chair mm -hmm. in in this room, and uh, Louis they're talking, and then Louis makes like takes a step towards him, and when he does it, Lestat like quickly <laughs> slides away <laughs> in his chair, like, huh. and it it's a little thing, but it made me laugh, but it was also like <sighs> endearing, almost like it's this little thing of like making you feel bad slightly for yeah. Lestat. But also, it's uh, it's those little details of character moments that just felt it felt so right for his character. You see him as the coward that he is in this moment, but also you kind of feel bad for him, but not really because he's a fucking giant asshole. Um, but it's also <laughs> kind of funny, like in the context, it, it's so many things, and it's just one stupid little thing, and like the little half shrug that the one guy gives. Uh, a lot of little details like that that I really liked in this movie. So, all right, that's it. Let's do it. Final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. All right, so this could be controversial. I'm not really sure. Um, but I'm going to give this one to the movie. Um, while there were cuts and changes that I definitely disagree with, uh, see the better in the book section. Mm -hmm. Um 
I think the movie did a good job of telling the story while also maintaining the mood and paring it down into something more digestible. Um, while there was a lot that I liked about the book, a lot of the time it did feel like a chore to read. Mm-hmm. So, and like overall, I enjoyed the experience of watching the movie more than the experience of reading the book. So I'm going to give it to the movie this time for me. There you go. Movie gets it in this one. And like I said, I did not read the book as always, but I truly loved this movie overall. The ending's terrible. Just swap that <laughs> ending out with him driving across the bridge and then cut it while he's still driving and then cut to him pulling up. It doesn't make sense because he's in San Francisco or whatever. Yeah. But figure out, you know, cut it to him pulling up outside Lestat's house and then in the movie there. Brilliant. It's a brilliant movie. And it's already really, really, really good. So highly recommend it. Go check it out uh, if you can find it. Katie, what's up next? Before you get to what's up next, go do us a favor. Rate and review us on iTunes primarily, but anywhere else you download us that allows you to rate or review us would be really good. You can also follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads. Uh, We also have a subreddit, uh, and uh, I think that's it. Uh, And yeah, so Katie, what's up next? Um, Well, up next is kind of a question mark. Okay. I would really like to do scary stories to tell in the dark, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's streaming anywhere yet. Yeah, we were worried about I that. I kind of I, I had assumed that they would put it out oh, in time out for, for Halloween. Halloween. I, I would think so. So and it, it's not gonna take me long to read the books. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to do that one for you guys. Um if not, uh do we have an audible. <laughs> Do we have a what? Not the, not the, I realize now saying do we have an audible makes it sound like I was talking about the listening, the, the yeah. audio book. Audible is like in football where you change the play. Like, oh. Change it up. Like what? So you see that reference? I, I realized, I was like, wait, that's the, uh, that's the, the book, uh, I was audio like, book the audio book service? Yeah, 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 no, 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 no. No, I meant the um, if, if we can't do scary stories to tell in the dark, um, we'll pick a, a different, um, shorter something, Halloween, Halloween story, something. a short story, we'll or or maybe a kid's book. Um, I had kind of thought about, I hate to do another rolled doll so soon since we just did Fantastic Mr. Fox not that mm-hmm. long ago, but we could do The Witches. Oh, yeah, that that's right, be, that is a movie. Yeah, and it's a pretty scary movie. Is it? Yes. Um, have you never like seen it? Movie. It is. Okay. It's, her- it's horrifying. I've it's seen terrifying. parts of it. I've seen all- you say that, I think he saw it as a kid. I've seen it as an adult. It's still really scary. I can say so. mm, It's still pretty scary. All right. We'll find something, though. We'll we'll find find a good Halloween movie to do. Um, So it will be some sort of Halloween slash spooky whatever movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hopefully, scary stories to tell in the dark. But if not, something else. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And and keep keep being being awesome. awesome.